You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Nicole Ackman's interview with Harriet Walter for herself. What can I do for you? I want to build a house. These are some of the vacant sites that you have. You see, if you lend me the money and let me use a site, then I could have that built for me and my kids. I'm really sorry. I can't help you with this. We can't go on like this. Just keep telling yourself, it's temporary. Sorry, guys. <sighs> Late three times and you got your kids here. John, please, I need this job. What are we doing, Sandra? Do you think this is good for the girls? I've seen it, counsellor. We could try and make it work. I want to fix him, you know? I know, but there are some people you just can't. I have designed a house that costs just 35,000 euros to build. Sandra, why didn't you ask me? Your mother was far more than a cleaner to me. She was a friend. It's land going to waste. Use it. Build a house for you and your girls. All along the highway, there's a tiny Our own house. At the bottom of the garden. Like a fairy house. <laughs> Need a hand for a few weekends over the summer if you want to help. This time I <laughs> Sandra! Oh my god! Parties work. You go in and see her dad. She's not herself. She wants to stay with me. You're lucky to be, Sandra. Skelly, you've been served. Breach of access. I'm sorry, love, but legally he has a right to go to court. What is the point of a house if I have no kids to put in it? Most of us get so sunk in our own pain, we don't notice our children's. But you did, and that makes you a good mother. know what he did to me and yet you still bring me in here and you ask me questions like why didn't you leave him but you never ask why didn't he stop welcome everyone to the next best picture podcast today i'm talking to harriet walter who plays peggy in the upcoming film herself so how are you doing how have you been hanging in there with all the craziness of 2020 well uh I just heard a friend of mine's just got infected, so <laughs> I was sitting there being a little bit complacent. Um, I've I've managed to stay um, safe myself, um, and I've even managed to do some some work. Um, so I'm one of the lucky ones. I also have my husband with me, so I haven't been too uh, alone or anything. But um, my heart goes out to people who's not had such good fortune as me. Well, that's good to hear, and I'm sorry about your friend. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about your your character, Peggy, in herself? Yes. Peggy is, um, she's actually by profession, she's a doctor, and she's been working in Africa or in field hospitals. Um, she's somebody, she's quite tough and gritty. Um, when we first meet her, she, she's had a... a um, uh, she's broken her hip while working out in Africa and she's come back to her native Dublin to fix herself up and, and convalesce. And she lives in a nice house with a nice garden. 
she's middle class, what we call middle class, which to you is more nearer to upper class, really. And um, she has a cleaning, uh, Sandra, who's the heroine of the film, Claire Dunn's character, um, helps her out cleaning, but also because of her particular circumstances right now, she's been helping her like almost as a carer because she can't move around terribly easily because she's convalescing from a hip operation. So she doesn't like being in that position. She doesn't like being in need. She's usually the one who's taking care of other people. So when we first see her, she's kind of grumpy and resenting uh, her dependency. (laughs) Um, And then she transforms, which is what every actor wants to play, somebody who shifts from one thing to another. Um, And what keys that transformation is... is, um, she finds out that Sandra, Claire's character, has been using her laptop to Google uh, self-building houses. And she realizes that she hasn't been noticing what it is that Claire's doing. And so she suddenly thinks, this is a a brave self-help. I like people who try to help themselves. And I happen to have a huge patch in my garden that is now going to seed. Um, and I liked her mother. Her mother helped me out of a bad situation, and this could turn around my own life. So um, in helping Sandra, she's going to help herself because that garden is a place of sorrow for her because she had two little girls just like Sandra did, and the youngest one died of leukemia. And um, this is very sketchily pointed to in the script, but it's the backstory that we figured out amongst ourselves. Um, So Mm. she's kept this shed, this beaten up old shed in the garden, and the gardens are all overgrown. And when they dig it up, she gives it permission to, to knock down the shed and churn up the land. And they find this little toy pony, plastic pony, that used to belong to her daughter. Um, but it's kind of an emblem of churning up the the sorrow from the past and building some new positive stuff in its place. And and that, so it's it's not that she's just some saint who does some lovely good deed. She actually has a reason why it's going to help her get over her sorrow as well. She's such a lovely character. And you mentioned that she's recovering from hip surgery. What was it like sort of figuring out the physicality of the role? Yes, that was quite hard because we weren't shooting necessarily always in in order. So sometimes I'd be um, frisky and sometimes I would be very, very crippled. And um, I had to keep real tabs on how far I'd developed at at which scene we were playing, whether she'd progressed to just a walking stick or she was still using the the walker. Um, That was just something I had to keep an eye on. And... um, it was quite frustrating moving that slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me, it also, uh, uh, it, it's strange when you get to my age, you, you, you forget your, you, you don't think about your age for ages and ages until an injury sets you back and makes you helpless for a little bit. And you get a little bit of a foreshadowing of what might happen ahead of time when you, when you aren't so, um, when you're not so athletic as you have been lucky to be. <laughs> So for me, it was quite useful to kind of mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, uh, these things happen. And 
you might just have a little pre-rehearsal of what it's like to be so slow, so frustratingly slow to, to get across a room, you know. Well, as you said, Peggy and Sandra, who's played by uh, Claire Dunn, develop a really strong bond. And you had previously worked with both Claire and with Phyllida Lloyd on the Shakespeare trilogy at the Donmar Warehouse. So what was it like getting to reunite with them for this project? Well, it was great because it, 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 um, there was a continuity there, even though um, we had played very different characters together. Um, and the project was very different in that one was, you know, it was on stage, and this was 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 um, in uh, on on cinema. That's that's obviously a difference, um, but it meant that there was a shorthand in the way we talked about scenes. Um, Phyllis is a great collaborator. She does not stand from apart, dictating how she has seen the scene, um, and and you have to fit in with her vision. Um, which would be forgivable if you're if you're if you're a film director, you kind of want them to have a vision. <laughs> but she she's just one of these people who is very confident in herself in some way that she can she knows how to sh- how she wants to shoot something, but she's also open enough to accommodate what ideas come up during the day or the night before. Um, we used to kind of discuss in 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 the in the van going into work, you know, we, we would sit together in the same car and kind of discuss how we might change certain lines or how we might play certain scenes. The initiative always came from Philida and the germ of the story came from Claire, but I was able to throw in my point of view and, and change certain lines or throw, throw in ideas. Um, and it was all acceptable because we knew one another so well. That's lovely. I, I actually interned at the Donmar a couple of years ago and uh, did some work on the school website for the trilogy. So oh. it was really great to see the three of you back together uh, oh, wow. working again. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize your name. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't there at the same time that you were. I was there a little bit later whenever they were putting together all the filmed stuff. Right. But it was great to get to, you know, to see you in a film with Claire. Yeah. Uh, what drew you specifically to this project? Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music 
or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Well, I mean, I think it was the fact that the, the character was was um, an older character who who shifts. You know, um, quite often when you're playing the older character, in, particularly in film, um, because in film you often have to, you know, you stay with one character's point of view. Um, the central eye, if you like, of the of the film, and that can mean that some of the the supporting characters um, are sometimes, particularly the older women, I would say, um, are often portrayed as um, as a fixed, full stop. You know, somebody who's um, who's sorry, full stop. <laughs> that's not really an Americanism. Um, but, but somebody who's sort of arrived where they want to arrive and has decided who they are and has fixed all their ideas and quite often is quite prejudiced against the young character or is, a, is an obstruction to the young character. And so this made such a change um, to be playing someone who had sympathy with a younger character and was, was, was prepared to help them. And I think what makes the difference for Peggy is that this is a character who's got who shows that she's got some fiber and some ability to help herself. She wouldn't just help any old body. She, you know, she likes people who show that they've got some determination and she identifies with her in a way she recognizes something of herself when she was younger. Um, so all of that fed into wanting to play the part. That's lovely. I think one of the best things about this film is sort of its emphasis on people helping each other. And obviously, you all couldn't have known whenever you were making it, but I feel like the fact that it's come out in this strange year with everything going on has made that sort of even more impactful. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, when when we first got feedback um, in sort of January, February this year, when um, we played it at Sundance, and the reviews were pretty unanimously favorable, but there were one or two people saying a little bit sweet, you know, that everybody was too nice and that, you know, people aren't like that. And now I hope people will believe that now because I think what we have experienced, um, I'm sure you've experienced it in the States as well, is how people do help one another when when things get bleak and we do, we do uh, get a sense of um, solidarity and community, particularly at times like this when um, the only people you come across on a daily basis are the, are the people who live right nearby you. Um, we've also seen a lot of its opposite. We've seen a lot of hatred and destruction. But, you know, maybe that gets more focused than, than the good bits. And it doesn't mean the good bits are less true. That's so that's so true. I feel like also with the pandemic, the the housing crisis has become more relevant and, and more, you know, in the public eye than ever. And that's also something that this film deals with is sort of what uh, particularly women like Sandra deal with trying to find housing. Were you aware of sort of this issue before doing the film or was this sort of uh, eye opening for you? Well, sure. This issue, this issue has been around for the, the, the housing crisis has been around for several decades now. And it's, it's, it's because of the um, monetarization of a thing that we all need 
you know, as a basic human right to have somewhere to, to shelter, a roof over our heads for our families. And while it is, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's taken over by the sort of real estate economy, which, which prices so many people out of a home, and while that is still happening and our economy is still depending on that, then I'm afraid, you know, it's it's quite a difficult problem to solve. Um, it's I think it might be, you know, I don't know where, but, you know, certainly the British economy, the, the London economy for a start is, is so much based on um, house prices. And, um, because we have a lot of, um, you know, being a financial capital, we have a lot of foreign um, money that comes and, and, and takes over and buys a lot of property up, and you know, we we all know the sort of the, the crimes that go on, the money laundering through the property business and things like that. So that that's all going on mm. at the same time as people are literally sleeping on the streets without a home, and somehow to begin with, um, there was quite a positive move because. Uh, in the interest of, of health and not spreading COVID and um, the, the homeless people around where I live anywhere, uh, they found places for them to live in hotels or, you know, they, they, they literally had shelter because it was in the interest of society at large to keep everyone protected from the disease. So, you know, you suddenly see that things can change when, when, the, when the, um, the, the needs of the bigger society kind of alter. Um, mm-hmm. So although the situation still existed long before the film was made, um, it, it sort of brought up some new questions since the COVID crisis of, about our interdependence and um, perhaps, you know, the idea of building, building our own properties, um, the idea of lending people money to build their own homes and pay back what they have borrowed, it, it makes so much more sense than having the expense of housing whole families for long periods in in substandard housing. You know that, that seems to make sense to me in the film. You know, when she goes to ask for a loan, that is such a logical argument she gives that I'm going to cost you less mm-hmm. um, if you let me look after myself. Absolutely. Well, obviously the film deals with some heavy topics, but what do you hope that audiences who see herself take away from it? Um, it's simple. I hope they'll take a whole lot of things away. But um, I think they will, on the subject of domestic violence, I hope people will see that um, these things are hidden away because people are um, afraid to ask for help, that um, that it's never as simple as, oh, leave him, he's a bastard. You you often love the person who has been doing you harm because you love mm. who they used to be. Um, and it's very hard to digest that, that they've changed. Uh, I think that the, the perpetrators of violence need help as well. I think um, that that kind of domestic abuse happens throughout the classes and the economic brackets. I think that there's a sense of solidarity amongst all the women in the film um, that that you get the sense that Sandra's mother-in-law who finally comes in and says, you know, that her son 
She doesn't support her son anymore. She's been very, very quietly putting up with the situation and now finally has the courage to to come out with stuff um, in support of, of, of another woman rather than um, feeling that obliged to support her abusive husband and abusive son. Um, I hope people will get themselves, you know, either see something that they recognize in themselves or see something that they recognize in someone they know who they might be able to unlock, um, offer some help to in some way. But I also think that, you know, it, it, we see a lot of sort of victim films, victim scenarios, and there's something about this, which I hope people will take away that people can help themselves if they know how to attract the right kind of help around them and that it's not, it's not weak to ask for help um, and that it gives you a payback to feel useful and helpful to somebody else. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been absolutely lovely. And I'm so excited for more people to get to see this really beautiful film. That's great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, have a lovely day. And thank you again for doing this interview with me. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole Ackman's interview with Harriet Walter from herself here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Herself is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.